0: Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to be here. As always, this week I have a very special guest that I'm interviewing. I am interviewing a power-packed woman. She is a freelancer, a lawyer, a Bollywood actress, an author now, and she got her JD MBA from Harvard. So basically, she does all of it. She's also one of the most kind and warmest people that I've met, and I'm so excited to have met her. So please welcome Joy Butra.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Isha.
0: Of course. Thank you so much for being here. So Joy basically came out and just released her newest book, The Freelance Mindset. And given that and her experience as a South Asian woman growing up in America, I thought it'd be really cool to have her on the podcast, talk to her about her journey as an author and a freelancer, and just kind of understand a little bit more about her. But Joy, thank you so much for making the time, and I'm really excited to to dive right in. Thanks, me too. So just to start off, why don't you give us a little bit of background on what your story is, what your life has looked like to this point, and what important decisions or experiences have kind of framed all the steps that you've taken towards the book?
1: I started my career on a very traditional path. So I worked in investment banking and then I went to law school and business school. And I thought by the time I graduated, I had my whole life planned out. I had accepted a job at a corporate law firm but the thing is, as I got closer and closer to uh, taking the bar exam and to actually starting this new job, I realized what climbing the corporate ladder would mean for me in terms of trade-offs. And now by really diving into one of these traditional careers um, head first, it meant that I would have to let go of all these other sides of me. And there was a side of me that was really interested in Bollywood dancing and Bollywood acting, and that would you know, not have space in my life anymore, and that was hard to take. So I took the bar exam, and I thought, okay, why don't I go to India and visit my family, and then maybe I'll have a little Bollywood adventure—nothing too crazy. Uh, so I signed up for a Bollywood acting class, and it actually led to an audition, which then led to a talent management agreement and an opportunity to act for one of the production houses in India. And all of a sudden, I had this decision: like, do I take the traditional path that I've always planned to take, and one that looks like stability and prestige and security, or do I take this unknown path that has come completely out of left field but is also a life of adventure and maybe fulfillment and also a life of a lot of risk especially mm-hmm. financially because i had six-figure student loans So i of course yep. took that path and i said goodbye to the corporate career in that moment and i was terrified because i didn't know anybody who were friends or classmates who were doing something similar but regardless i got to india and was obviously not making very much money. My first few months is not booking a lot. And when I booked, it was in rupees. So Mm -hmm. I needed cash quickly. And I started pitching myself to companies as like a small part-time freelance kind of person. And I started to get these projects. And what really surprised me was uh, eventually I like cobbled together a little portfolio of work and I got to spend the mornings doing Excel PowerPoint, uh, Excel spreadsheets and PowerPoints. And then in the afternoon I could put that all away and you know, dress up in my silver kameez and put on makeup and go for auditions and do something totally different. And the shocking thing was I thought I had come to Bollywood because my dream was to be an actor, but actually my dream job was this, I wanted to do both. I really needed the analytical side of me to feel structured, to feel grounded, and also to do the work I trained my whole life for. And then I also needed the creative side of me to think in a nonlinear fashion, to expand the possibilities and see a different side of myself. So that was the journey to becoming a freelancer. Now, fast forward many years, uh, I now know what works for me. I helped several friends become freelancers and I thought, okay, I have to write this down. Uh, But then I thought, okay, we know what works in our little bubble, but there are millions of freelancers out there. What are they doing? So then I sat down and had coffee with 50 freelancers and I listened to their stories and found out what was the hardest part for them. What do they wish they had known in the beginning? And then packaged that all up together. And the end result is now the freelance
0: mindset, the book that just came out a couple of weeks ago. Well, congratulations on that book, by the way. And I've loved seeing it everywhere. It's it's awesome. But I, I think it's So true, right? Because usually we're pigeonholed into this idea of what a job and a career looks like. And it's usually, hey, either like you said, either you do investment banking or you have consulting because those careers have good exit opportunities. But those exit opportunities too, they throw you into a cycle of more corporate careers. So for people like yourself and even me, to some extent, finding that sweet spot of I love having that intellectual simulation of PowerPoint, Excel, learning things in a corporate space, but then also how can you flex those creative muscles? And I, I know you touched on this a little bit with your experience and I'm sure that contributed to your, your coming to this epiphany of, okay, this is what I wanna write about. But specifically with your book and you being such a creative person, why did you decide to write something that was nonfiction as opposed to fiction?
1: I think that initially I love fiction, and that's absolutely what got me into reading. Of course, as a kid, I didn't grow up reading about freelancing. I grew up reading stories, and that's what I love about Bollywood is the creativity and kind of the fact that sometimes it can be really whimsical, and it doesn't necessarily Mm. apply to real life. And I think there's a beautiful space for that. I think it's also a completely different skill set than the one I have. I actually did sit down and try to write something quite whimsical, and I showed it to (laughs) agents, and they were like,
0: Mm. (laughs) like maybe not anything
1: else (laughs) and so I really thought okay I enjoy I love reading and I love writing but it really forced me to dive deep and think about what do I have in my experience that can be useful and of service to others and I started to notice this theme of my friends who were you know working jobs that they had planned many times for their entire life Uh, and you know they had planned to go to law school and then worked in law firms or work in finance or something like that and they were also wondering you know is there something more? How can I do something different? And in our experiences together of helping one friend, for example, who was a lawyer and she was doing well, but she thought, you know, this isn't right for me. And she wants, wanted to do something that would be more creative, would let her build something. And so I helped her, we helped her transition out of that law firm space into uh, joining a boot camp for coding. On the side she practiced law as a freelancer so that she could pay for this boot camp and now she is an engineer, she has purple hair, she's like really happy doing yeah. this other thing and I realized that that's how I could you know be of service to more people is by sharing my experience and sharing the stories of these other freelancers in a way that could help people feel empowered
0: and also informed to make a decision and make a change in their lives. That's true, especially because it's such a nuanced career. Being a freelancer isn't, you wouldn't expect it to be as stable or as real compared to like a real corporate nine to five, like people don't necessarily anticipate that. And so the fact that you're able to take all these different experiences and showcase that is I feel like it gives people real life examples to relate to, to look to. And, and I know we spoke about this a little bit, but other than the creativity of it and the balance that it gives gives you to be creative, but then also flexing those intellectual skills that you have. We've come to this conclusion that freelancing can be somewhat of a non-traditional job, specifically in, I think, the South Asian community, where you grew up with a lot of stereotypes of, okay, either you grew up, you become a you become a doctor, you become an engineer, or now you're like investment in banking and you go abroad and start a business. And there's very cookie cutter expectations of what it's like to be a brown man or especially a brown woman and given these kinds of stereotypes when you decided to enter the freelancing space did you face any cultural pushback
1: it's so real i mean my parents and they're super creative and entrepreneurial themselves but for them once i started having an interest in law everybody was super happy because this is you know a professional degree it Mm. leads itself to a life of stability, or, or so we think. But I think ultimately, when I made that decision to not work at a law firm and to work as an actor instead, absolutely, there were members of my family who supported me there were members of my family who thought i was weird and then there were members of my family who just flat out thought i was wrong and completely disagreed with my decision and that was really difficult so for me i really needed to know what did i personally think and what did i want and then carve out space for me to reflect on that and then slowly bring in people into the fold as it was needed or as it was possible. Over time, as I started to carve out a little bit of a career, I noticed that what I was creating as a career was actually very complementary to what my parents had originally wanted for me. Mm -hmm. Because as immigrants, you come to a new country, and you want stability. You want to be integrated into the fold. You want to have uh, enough income. You want to be able to have social standing. And you want to be able to pass that on to the next generation. Unfortunately, jobs are just not what they used to be. They used to be the ticket to that and you just get the right job and then you stay there for your career and then you're done. But, you know, if you open the news anytime, you know, this quarter, this year, jobs are not what they used to be. Millions of people mm. are getting laid off and there were many freelancers who I spoke to who, you know, took a full-time job thinking it was the normal thing to do, the adult thing to do, and they were being responsible and diligent. And then they got suddenly laid off and they had to pick up the pieces together. One woman, for example, she had an MBA, but she was an artist uh, in her soul and she is an actor and producer and director. She said to me that as a freelancer, she feels much more empowered, much more in control of her destiny and much more secure than she did in a full-time job. And ultimately that security is what our immigrant parents or uh, non-immigrant parents in the South Asian community Want for us in the first place, it just looks different because the
0: world has changed. 100%. Like you rightfully said, with job insecurities, with the state of the economy right now, jobs aren't what they used to be. And that kind of stability that you can get from a job, you can get just that amount of stability if you know how to invest in yourself in the right ways. And I think in this next generation that we're seeing of teenagers, of young adults trying to break into their careers, there's more of an awareness of that. And there's more of a mindful approach of, okay, how can I scale my skills? How can I make my skills? transferable in a way that I can monetize them and then create that stability for ourselves. So I think that's definitely an interesting take, but it's it's I think it's also a slow needle to shift in the South Asian community, especially with how many stereotypes exist around just not having a traditional job. And ultimately, I think it's also recognizing that as much as we feel that kind of divide from our parents or our family, and it kind of becomes like an us versus them situation, at the end of the day, they just want you to be happy. So how do you effectively communicate those goals, effectively show them? them, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is where my goals are. Um, I think that's just setting precedent for a really healthy relationship as well something you brought up that really stuck with me was this idea of stability and security that's something not just your parents crave for you but also you crave for yourself and a lot of that stability and security comes from money and i know you speak about this in your book as well on budgeting and effectively allocating monetary resources but when you're starting out really young and and you're 20 something years old and you're just starting to break into freelancing trying to organize your money or start budgeting somewhere is really difficult because for so long in your life, you've depended on your parents for it, even if it's something like taxes, right? So what are some tips you have for your young adults or people in their early to mid 20s who just wanna break into freelancing and so how can they handle their money better?
1: Yeah. So handling your money better, um, focusing on two different aspects. Of course, you're going to have to increase the amount of money you're making, work on your income, and then also manage your costs and your expenses. So I'll Mm -hmm. start with the expenses first, because I think they're a little easier to wrap our heads around. When you're a freelancer, whether you're a full-time freelancer or not, your income is super variable. And that Mm -hmm. means some months you will have a lot of inflow compared to others. And then other months, may be very dry you may even go several months uh, without any income coming in at all but when you're setting up your expenses you really want to sh- uh, check which ones are fixed and which ones are variable so your fixed expenses are these are the things that you have to pay every single month and there's no getting out of them that's a long-term contract regardless of your income you want to have as few fixed expenses as possible if you're a freelancer and the other expenses these are variable things like how many ubers you take how many taxis how many shows you go to that you have more flexibility with so when you're choosing whether to get locked into something in the early days of freelancing i would say go with uh, as few fixed costs as possible once you have more savings you can start to see if this makes sense because sometimes longer contracts can allow you to access better rates but for the beginning just minimize your fixed costs so that when you have a dry month you can cut down the variable cost very quickly and you reduce your stress on the income side when you're just starting out you actually Sometimes just need to start out by creating a portfolio, creating uh, materials, and a lot of the time that's not going to be paid. So you want to separate what are the things that can bring you cash and what are the things that will grow you in the direction that you want to grow. Especially when you're early, you can afford to invest the time in building the skills, building the portfolio and the relationships that will take you further in the direction of growth, even if it doesn't match where you're getting your income from right now. If you have a full-time job, great. Like You know where your cash is coming from. But if you don't have a full-time job, picking up something that will allow you to get money in the door quickly will reduce your stress significantly, will allow you to manage uh, your expenses quickly. So it may not even be in the industry that you want to be in long-term. And that's okay as long as you're using it to then further the part of your career that you do care about. Understand how you're spending your time and make sure that you're setting out time to really reflect on what have you been doing and how do you like it like do you actually want to go further down this path that you think you're going down Uh, i was at a i think it was a career event in law school just before on-campus recruiting and the career office had told us okay you're going to go into a series of interviews but remember like prize at the end of this is a giraffe. So make sure walking in, do you even want a giraffe? Because you could work really Mm. hard in this interview. You could then get the job. And then at the end of the job, you work really hard. And then after many years, you get promoted to the top level. And the top level is a giraffe. And if you don't want to be a giraffe, why are you spending your time (laughs) (laughs) on this entire detail? And if you can't find the projects that will let you go in the direction you want to go, create them yourself. Make your Mm. own portfolio. If you want to make films and nobody is you know, there, casting you or funding your projects, you know, do a proof of concept. Write something small that you can afford. Just film it with a couple of your friends and then put it out there. It's not that different from in school when you were assigned uh, some homework assignment and then you would get graded on it and it was important and meaningful for you to do a good job on it then. You can give yourself the assignments now. That's the beauty of freelancing is you can choose the direction you want to go in and create in in the dry times. Just create with what you have and eventually that will plant the seeds for you to be able to get a bigger project down the line
0: one of the biggest things I'm hearing you say is at the end of the day, if you want to be a freelancer or have your own brand, you have to be willing to invest some amount of money or time when time is money into yourself and into that business. So yeah. even if you do have that flow of income, you can't be sitting on it. You have to invest that in some capacity to buy yourself new equipment or buying yourself a new camera or hiring a photographer, like you said, to make An additional step towards that but something that i i know a lot of maybe young people struggle with because of high having like a high debt after graduating from school and specifically immigrant kids as well uh, have this pressure of sending money back home and remittances which leads to a very negative mindset mentally with money what are some things that you've in your mindset changed to develop a more healthy relationship with money
1: it's very important to be counter cyclical when things are abundant and you're having a lot of money, it's important to remember the scarcity because Mm. these cycles are temporary, especially as a freelancer. But even as a non-freelancer, there are bull markets and there are bear markets and it's always shifting. So when things are abundant, remember what it was like when things were scarce and save your money, because that is the first thing to go out the door. And on the flip side, when things are lean, remember that it'll be changed, uh, that it will change and that it's temporary. So when things are lean, Think back to the times when you had a lot of money and you had a lot of ideas and there were things that you wanted to do and you said, ah, if only I had the time, I would do this Mm -hmm. because you rarely have both at the same time. Now come back to those, like write those down when you're busy, come back to them. And actually, I would encourage you not only write down what it is you want to do, but write down why you want to do it. Because sometimes when you're in the lean times, you'll say, oh, yeah, I mean, that was just, you know, a lark that I had back then. But now, I mean, it's not really useful. Nobody really wants to see it. No, you wanted to see it. You wanted to see it for a reason. So keep honest to yourself and and keep coming back to that but yeah Mm -hmm. the lean times they teach you how to save and the abundant times they're just so fertile with opportunities and energy and if you can just not get caught up in everything that's going on around you whether that's you know a high period of expenses or a difficult market environment but just remember that this will pass That's one of the reasons that being a freelancer, I think, just builds your resilience and makes you so much stronger in so many ways, not only financially, but it just helps you see things clearly
0: and plan for the long haul. Another thing that's really helpful with that mindset about money that's really helped me is gratitude. And you know, you usually when you're paying off a high credit card bill or you know you have to make a fixed expense towards equipment that you have to buy, it's almost like, oh, but I have to like spend five hundred dollars on this or like like now I need to pay back my credit card bill and I kind of don't want to. Instead, every single time I, I've started paying a high bill off, I'm like, oh wow, like I can pay my own credit card bill off without Taking support from my parents. And one year ago, when I didn't have a full-time job, I didn't I wasn't able to do that. Um, so I think that kind of mindset shift is also something that is really helpful.
1: I love that. That's beautiful. and absolutely. Yeah. it should be a practice both in the lean times and the scarce
0: times. Another mindset thing I wanted to ask you about was with freelancing and with creativity, especially when you're trying to build your own brand, right? When you're creating that brand for yourself, how do you, Develop that brand, number one? And how do you, number two, strike that balance between being creative and being intellectual almost? I
1: think one of the important things to understand is whether you want those two aspects of yourself to be separate or if you want them to be integrated. And Mm -hmm. people have different preferences around that. There's a great researcher called Sarah Beth Burke, who I interview in the book. And she has a bunch of different layers of identity that she's uncovered. Um, One is singularity. The next one is multiplicity and the third one is hybridity. So singularity is if you have one identity, let's say you're a writer and you write maybe different kinds of pieces, but that's your identity and you have one profession. Uh, Multiplicity is if you have slashes or you're multi-hyphenate, if you are an actor and a lawyer, um, it's very hard to do both at the same time. Sometimes you can, but, or a dancer and a lawyer that I know that's even harder to do at the same time. (laughs) Um, And so those are separate and they're meant to be separate because that's Mm -hmm. where the joy is. And then the last one is hybridity. And those are people who live at the intersection. So if we come back to this actor slash lawyer, it may actually be somebody who wants to be a litigator, for example, because they enjoy the performance aspect and they enjoy Mm -hmm. the analytical aspect and they live right in the middle of that Venn diagram. So when you have multiple identities and you're thinking about branding yourself, first figure out, do you want them separate or do you want them integrated? And it might change over time uh if they're separate it's fairly easy to bucket when you just figure out what your different categories are and and, you know limit the number of categories you have even if you're doing many things max out at three because people just have a hard time remembering more than three categories so find a common thread and find some like supersets if you need to to organize it but no more than three categories and Each one can have its own social media page. Each one can have its own portfolio and can be uh, marketed separately. If you're in hybridity, that's a different situation. And that can be a little bit difficult because your theme will be very unique to you. That's important Mm -hmm. because your career is your competitive advantage. And being different is what sets you apart and what makes you desirable in the long run. But you have to work a little harder to explain how this theme is actually manifesting in different uh, formats. So focus on the central theme if you have multiple buckets in your Venn diagram and then show different examples like you can basically give a menu if these are the three different ways that it manifests but again no more than three really try Mm -hmm. to limit it and focus on beyond that because when you give more people just don't know where to put you and then you end up worse off than if you had
0: just one or zero specialties. The power of three is something also that my high school English teacher actually always spoke about when we were like writing out essays and he used it in the same capacity he was like when you're thematically introducing your essay in the introduction you need three things that stand out because that what that's what keeps the reader even one of my favorite um productivity creators Ali Abdel he talks a lot about the power of three in terms of prioritization and how you want to tackle tasks throughout the day. So I think that's a really helpful tip in branding yourself as well. Like what are the three things that you want to be known for, essentially, this next question that I have for you is more about lifestyle as a freelancer, when you don't have a traditional nine to five, how do you still maintain that discipline of having that nine to five?
1: Yeah, finding community as a freelancer is incredibly important. And I think that there are ways that you can do it. Basically, there are three ways that I would suggest you look at to maintain that discipline, because I think the discipline goes away because we lose sight of the purpose. And being around people who have a common goal or who just give us energy can then bring some of that purpose back. And it, it's kind of the same thing where if you exercise in your bedroom, you might kind of slack off on some of the reps. But if you go to the gym and the person next to you is really pushing themselves hard, you'll also feel encouraged to push yourself hard. So the three places I suggest that freelancers look first is on the project, themselves, project itself. So if you are plugged in with a client, you might want to go deeper into that team. And if you can work in that team's office and they allow that, you might want to join them you know, virtually or in person To find a sense of community and get that sense of momentum together. Mm. If that's not an option, either you don't have a project or it's not structured that way, then you can look at the way your day is structured. So that might mean I'm a morning person. So I like to be around uh, other people who are really cranking this out in the morning. So I found a writing group that's online first thing in the morning, but other people might be more in person. So go to the coffee shop, other people have their laptops out, and you find that that's giving you some sense of belonging, some sense of. People are expecting me to be there at this time. And I will go and put my um, best foot forward. And then the last piece is if you are not necessarily finding it in either of these places, look at the function that you're in. So uh, if you are a consultant, if you are an accountant, an actor, find other people in your profession and make time to network with them. Because just catching up with them in short, Uh, intervals or if you go to a conference, it will really give you ideas of how you can get more discipline. It'll inspire you because you'll see other people being successful. And it'll just give you that energy, energy because as a freelancer, you're not part of a team every day. And so creating a team of your own that's customized to your interests and your lifestyle, I mean, it's even stronger than just being dropped into a random one. 100%.
0: And I think something that's definitely kept me accountable, whether that's with my professional career, or with the brand that I'm building is signing up for networking events every single week. So I'll give myself a goal and say every week, Thursday, 6pm, I have to be at this event. And I think that the second you sometimes have that external pressure of having to show up somewhere, or you've paid for something, that sort of you almost feel obligated then to show up and then there's no way for you to slack off or not get the thing done. So I think that's also a really good way to continue engaging with that community and finding those personalized people that fit your fit your needs, essentially. Yeah. In terms of being a woman of color, and I know we spoke about being South Asian, what is the number one Tip that you would give to women of color specifically trying to break into corporate or creative spaces based on any pushback that you received, any discrimination that you faced and how have you been able to navigate those waters?
1: So we know the game is not easy for people of color. Uh, it is harder. Um, it can be quite challenging. Also negotiating wages, also landing uh, projects. Uh, when you have multiple forces stacked against you that said it's very possible to do and i think it's very important to be strategic so number one know what is the right wage for your particular project and do the research Um, there is sometimes there are there is some data out there that shows that the gender pay gap is higher for freelancers than it is for non-freelancers so with that information arm yourself i mean how are you going to go about this If the gender pay gap is smaller in full-time employment well, and you need to take care of yourself, it may be a good idea to start with full-time employment, get permission to freelance on the side, or if you're freelancing in a totally different industry, maybe you don't always need permission, I don't know, and then use that to fund your portfolio so that you can have the strongest possible portfolio because you want to make sure that you're maximizing uh, both your finances and your ability to move in the direction that you want to go also getting free flow of information is incredibly important so build your community build your network and then get allies who are there who are able to advocate for you so to the extent you can build better relationships with potential clients with other consultants who will um, you know have your back That's super helpful. And the last thing you might consider doing is creating a collective. I've seen some freelancers do this successfully, where it's a group of freelancers who pitch themselves together as for projects and then divide up the work, almost like a mini consulting firm. But they're not actually a consulting firm. I mean, they've divided it so that individual freelancers will do this. It kind of takes inspiration from how movies are made. So everybody on a movie set is a freelancer. You've got the makeup, the actors, et cetera. And they come together for a project. And then they disband. And so Mm -hmm. uh, however you can get that kind of social stamp that will allow you to be able to hold your own in a rate negotiation and then also allow people to recognize the value and the excellence of your work, because I'm sure it absolutely is excellent. It just needs the recognition
0: the power of three i already see it the I, i'm
1: obsessed with threes, oh yeah, three there
0: you go um my last question for you joy is when people read this book and they go into it what is the one thing or is it three things that you want them to take away, that you want them to kind of take away after reading it
1: luckily for you it's just one and okay that i really want anybody who wants to go for something to feel like you have permission to do it even if you don't know anyone else who has made the same career choice as you. Mm -hmm. If you have something that interests you, if you have something that's calling you and you're afraid, there are ways to manage that fear, to take that leap and to make it fit into your life. And it, it may not look exactly like you imagined it, but it's worth pursuing and it'll open doors for you that you had never imagined were possible and you... Yes. Please just don't be limited by your imagination. If you're being called, I want you to feel encouraged and know that you're not alone. There are many of us out there who have felt alone and started to create freelance careers and then found each other and we will find you too.
0: Thank you so much for making the time to have this conversation with me. This was so insightful. I learned so much. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful.
0: And just so our listeners know, where can we find your book and how can we get access to it?
1: Yes, the book is called The Freelance Mindset, Unleashing Your Side Hustles for Better Work, Play, and Life. It's available on Amazon and anywhere online that you buy books. And you can find me at my website or on social media. My website is joybatra.com and social media is at joybatra on every platform.
0: Perfect. I will link all of those things in the description as well. But thank you for being here, Joy.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Isha.